media really portrays people with clubs as like the bad guy, the monster. Say, you're not a bad person. You're beautiful. You have a unique smile, like like a snowflake. They're unique. Like a sand dollar. Those are every sand dollar there is. They're different. Every snowflake there is. They're different. Every person there is. You're different, and your difference is just happen to be on your face. That's all it is. Hey, I'm Kimberly. And I'm Summer. And this is The Kids Are In Bed. We are two new moms who just had babies in 2020. During that time, we leaned on each other, our limited community, and the internet. We want to share our experiences and knowledge with you guys and hopefully entertain you a little. What better time to discuss babies, sex, pregnancy, and just life than when the kids are in bed. And, of course, our kids are in bed but this week, we have a very special guest joining us. Um, we have my friend Maya joining us. Hey, Maya. Hi. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you guys tonight? We are good. Thank you. So I have to say, you don't know Summer, and you and I kind of know each other a little bit. And I thought it would be a good story to share kind of how you and I got connected on Instagram. Yeah, it's quite cute, actually. So I, it was one like super random day. It was like a Saturday morning and me and David were just hanging out. Um, I was pregnant at the time and it was shortly after um, we had found out about Logan's cleft. And so we had just started to connect with like the cleft community and we're just searching through Instagram. And I came across a cleft page called cleft proud. And I was just kind of scrolling through there and I came across Maya's picture. She had like posted a picture and I was like, oh, she's really pretty. I really like her. And so somehow I came across her picture and I just started to follow her and, um, that was kind of my first interaction with another clef affected adult that was the same age as my brother. Um, because I have always grown up around my brother, but I never have really met anybody else that shared something in common with him. And I was like, Sebastian, like, you know, it's so cool. Like there's somebody else that shares this really interesting, deep connection that you guys have in common. And I just started to follow Maya and, just really, really liked her, followed all of her stuff. And that's how we kind of got connected. That's awesome. That's such a fun story to tell. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Yeah, now Sebastian and I are actually really good friends. <laughs> so That's awesome. I love that. I think it's so fun. That's like the gift of Instagram. I know. It's like a little world. It's so cool. Yeah, I love it. But Maya, why don't you, you are a special guest and we just kind of want to hear a little bit about your story. You have, just from what I know about you, you have a really awesome uh, life story that I just would love to hear a little bit more about. Yeah, so um, uh, I'm 22 years old. I grew up in uh, western Wisconsin, northwestern Wisconsin. And I was born with a unilateral, complete cleft lip and cleft palate, and my nose was also affected. Um, I'm a twin sister. We're actually mirror image twins and identical, but she has was not did not was not born with a cleft lip and palate or anything like that. And then I have two younger brothers, and one is 14, and then one is um, 
12. Oh, shoot. No, I, yeah, 14 and 12. Oh, my gosh. I'm a terrible sister. <laughs> it's 14 and 12. And uh, the 12-year-old, he has Down syndrome, and he was actually born with a bilateral club and palate. But because he has Down syndrome, we don't really, we can't really, like, share like the connection kind of with the club because I don't think he really mm-hmm. realizes or understands. Mm-hmm. But I am currently a senior in college, and I'm studying hotel, restaurant, and tourism management. That's awesome! Wow, that's so cool. What do you? What can you do with that? Like, what do you, do you want to own your own like business? Um, so I could do really anything. I could do. I could work with social media, um, magazines, small companies, big companies. I really enjoy the food and beverage section section of um, hospitality so I'm going I'm my current goal is to be a luxury food and beverage director but because of my working at Omni and the cities I've gone to work with a bunch of sports teams like the Vikings the wild all the teams that play the wild and then the the Minnesota Gophers too so I've kind of noticed I really enjoy when the teams are there so I kind of I'm thinking maybe about going into like the sports realm of the hospitality industry which could be a different aspect because I've worked in restaurants my whole life, but I have about, uh, I want to say seven months to figure out what I want to do. So I got to narrow it down. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure at all. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit more about how you grew up? I, I have shared before that I lived in Wisconsin for six years when I was younger. And so it's a lot different than the California lifestyle. But just what was growing up like for you? Um, having an identical sister, having a cleft, uh, having two younger brothers. I mean, I think all of those play into, you know, your life. Yeah. So um, I'm the oldest, like, I'm older than my twin sister. I was born 30 minutes before her. Um, so when we were young, when we were like in the womb, I guess we had twin to twin infusion, I guess. And so Mar and I was a sicker twin. I was a smaller one. And so I was 30 minutes before Mara. And then Mara was born. So I am like the actual oldest. And sometimes people are like, I can't tell who's older. And then they see all of us. They're like, oh yeah, you're, you're the older sister. <laughs> Like, yeah, I am the oldest. I have to stand by that. Um, you have bragging rights. Yeah, I do. So growing up, I grew up in a small town. I grew up and Have you guys heard of the beer called Mining Kugels? I don't think so. Okay. So have you guys heard of Eau Claire, Wisconsin? Yes. Yeah. So I live, my, I grew up not even 20 minutes from Eau Claire. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's a very small town. Everybody knows everybody. And um, I knew, I mean, I knew I was, like, different growing up. Well, I mean, I was different in multiple ways. I had a twin sister. Not about, not very many people had twins. I mean, that's kind of a lie. There, we had seven sets of twins in my graduating class. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, my but gosh. Like, we were the only set. I know. It's kind of crazy. I think we were, like, three sets short from, like, setting a record for, like, the state or something. I can't remember. But it was it's, like, really a weird thing. 
There's a lot of twins. And especially for one year. What is in the water? I know. That's what a lot of people say. Um, wow, that's crazy. So like I, yeah, like I knew I was different. And my parents were always very good about that. Like saying, okay, like when we would, cause I didn't, I was, I had my surgeries and all my cleft care done at Shiner's Hospital for Children in Chicago. And I remember being young and it being a special trip to go. Like my parents didn't want me to have any bad memories of Chicago, but we would leave my siblings behind most of the time because nobody wants to be trapped in a car for six hours with four kids. Right. Yeah, it's terrible. I've we've I've, we've done it. It's not fun. So I always just remember going, <laughs> and it was like something weird because like Mara would never go, and Jacob's gone twice. Spencer's gone once, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then I want to say about kindergarten, I started to realize, oh, I am different. I'm different than my sister because I had a surgery I had a bone I had a bone graft I had a rhino one of my rhinoplasties so on my nose and it was a bone graft it was from my ribs and I was out of school for probably about two two and a half weeks maybe three I can't I don't know but I know it was a long time to recover and uh, I remember sitting in class on uh, like the flat like the rug during reading time and my teacher yeah. being like okay so Maya has this thing she just had surgery so if anyone's gonna to the whole class the whole class she said oh. she was like so Maya's different and like if someone like says something to her pushes into her we gotta make sure we gotta protect Maya make sure she's safe and I was oh. like what the heck Maya just like wrestling like the night before, what do you mean there's something different with me? <sighs> and then she had to be like, well, what's wrong with your nose? Oh, my gosh. Oh. And I was like, well, I don't know. I just had surgery. Like, And then I kind of, like, was like, rattle a little bit. And then I had good friends growing up, like, oh, leave her alone. She's fine. And then I was like, get over yourself. Um, and then speech mm-hmm. therapy is when I really kind of realized I was different. And having to go to the or I went to the orthodontist when I was like, I have had a piece of metal in my mouth. From the age of two till about 21, almost 21, almost 22, mm-hmm. I think. No, 21, yeah. Oh. So I've always had a retainer or anything. So my speech has always been different, difficult. And I've always had, like, braces. I've had, I want to say four sets of braces. Braces? Maybe three. I, yeah, I want to say it's four sets. So mm-hmm. that was, like, different, like, being in fourth grade and having braces when no other kid had braces. Right. Um. Right. And just like I've had, I had most of my surgeries when I was younger. So from about the age of ten months, when I had my first two surgeries, till I want to say fourth grade, I had a bunch of surgeries, maybe multiple times a year. I don't really remember much of them. I remember a couple of them, but not a whole amount. And then I hit puberty, so I had we had to stop. It was just more orthodontic care, and. Um, we, uh, stopped for a while, had, I had to like go through puberty, grow, finish growing. And then about middle school, it was sixth grade through seventh grade. It was really, really rough as bullying. The boys were mean. The girls were terrible. And it was like, there's four elementary schools in Chippewa Falls. Mm-hmm. So, and when you hit middle school, every elementary school comes, every comes together. So 
all, it's all just one big grade, not just separate schools. So it was kids who didn't know me and didn't like, because the kids I went to elementary school, they knew me and they understood. But the middle schoolers, they didn't. And right. there was one boy, I can't for the life of me remember his name. My sister is going to like know it and then text me about it later. She's like, that's his name. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. He would always ask me and like chase me down on the hall and be like, what's wrong with your nose? What's wrong with their nose? And I was like, I'd be like, nothing's wrong with it. Like, leave me alone. Like, I'll tell you later. Like, you don't need to know. And then at one point, I used to be like, just like ignore, like, hey, that's not, like, don't talk to me about this. But I was also very, like, naive and I like, tried to be very nice. And then at one, one point, I remember I snapped because he had um, a scar on his head because he had a tumor in his brain when he was younger and he had surgery in his brain. And he said it one thing to me, like, why, what's wrong with your nose? Did you run into a wall and break it? And why do you have a scar on your face? Mm-hmm. And I looked at it, I remember being in uh, our stupid tech class welding and I turned around and I looked at him and I was like why do you have a scar on your head what's wrong with you and then he left me alone and I thought I felt bad like now I kind of feel bad but I was like proud of myself too at the same time yeah and then I kind of I subconsciously turned my emotions off I didn't really react to the bowling so I really didn't like do much to me anymore I was like whatever if you want to say something you can say it to me I'll just find something to say mean back to you which I not the nicest not the best way to cope but my sister would also be like well what's wrong with you to them then too because she would get upset so but there was actually one other boy um in my grade who also has a cleft but it wasn't as severe as mine it was just his lip and he actually bullied me too for it which was a very always interesting huh. my parents were like why aren't you friends with him and I was like he's not nice so that's oh interesting gosh, that's so weird yeah i know i was like this is not yeah that's so i wonder if that was like his way of coping with his you know i'm wondering something. too well he didn't like from what i can see like because it's a small school uh-huh. well small school i don't know how big it is the schools are in california i graduated with 500 and 65 kids so it was a relatively big graduating class it's still small and I've never really like noticed bullying like bullying towards him but also it's not my experience so I don't know right um right that's so interesting kids I've been thinking about your kindergarten teacher right that was your kindergarten teacher who brought you your attention to the full class to say like, Hey, Maya's different. Like, let's defend her. I mean, I feel like she might have had good intentions, but went about it the wrong way. Did you, were you prepared? Like, did she ask you or your parents, you know, before she kind of made that class announcement? I know for sure it wasn't spoken to me. So I don't know if she talked to my parents about it. I'm not really sure. I really don't know. My mom would probably have a better idea about it. She's kind of like a weird kind of stuff. She's like always in like mama bear. Like their teacher said what? And but she's also a teacher yeah. too. So I don't I don't know. I can't remember. But we were saying like, oh my god, they're all staring at me. So I kind of love the math because people are like don't see my nose. They don't see my scar and so, but they can't understand me because my speech is like I don't know. It's difficult. It's a learning curve.
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm wondering, like, how did you feel? Like, is that when it really started? I know you said in sixth grade is when you really noticed, but were there like little things after that really feel different? Or was it just like the chatter, like everybody saying things? It was definitely the chatter. Um, there was a couple of times, like, I want to say maybe third, fourth grade. I had, in third grade, I had another bone graft on because I had a hole like up in here in my gum line and they had to put like a bone graft in from my hip and I was out for a long time with that and I couldn't go outside I, I believe it was winter time so they didn't really want me I'm very very clumsy so I, I'm assuming they probably don't want me outside and I was on eating restrictions where I can only have a liquid or soft a soft diet mm-hmm. and I remember and like school was like well we can't accommodate lunch for her like we have other kids to pay for I remember that being an issue so my mom, like, well, uh, I guess I'll just get her a thermos and, well, pour SpaghettiOs in there because that's what she can eat and she can heat that up real fast. And I remember doing that, having to do that every day for at least a month. And never, and one point at one time, I couldn't get the top off the thermos, like the, the thermos. So I asked my classmate, and he was like, I'm not doing that for you. So then we, then everybody else was like trying, I tried, and then we got our gym teacher to try. And he was the worst gym teacher ever. I hated him. Mm. He made me participate still in gym class when I couldn't. I had doctor's notes. And we, one time, I remember, remember my mom was so mad. As we were, we were playing, we were in our football unit. And he was like, you need to run and th- I'm going to throw a ball at your face after I had just had major surgery. Oh my god! <laughs> you have gosh. to catch it. And I'm like, oh my god. I'd be like, oh my god. Oh. I'm really scared. Like, oh shoot. And I can't remember what my parents found out about it. But they were so mad. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of stuff like that. I, I was in too. speech <laughs> therapy from uh, the age of two till I was 18. I was in speech therapy. So I would get taken out of class for that and I hated that I was such a witch teaching my speech therapist too like in middle school all the way to high school I was the biggest witch to her because I was like uh-huh. please stop taking me out of class people are like what where is she going what's wrong with her and so yeah. that was also a thing so did you with all of your surgeries and speech and just everything were you missing a lot of school and did that impact your academics um I was, uh, this is, so I have a couple of learning disabilities, actually. So I have dyslexia and ADHD. So my learning was already difficult anyways, and the missing of school was definitely hard. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I actually, this is so, I'm going to be so embarrassed. I, I actually really couldn't read till about the eight, till about fourth grade. I mean, I uh, could read some books, but not very well. And then I, like, I read they're called like the diary of the kid. And I started reading those and then it just clicked. And from then I have not stopped reading. And then that's when it's got better. And then I've always like, I mean, when I, we would, when I would miss school, they'd be like, Oh, you have this list and you have to like do your hardest to get it done. We know you don't feel good, but you gotta work your hardest. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, school is hard. So I kind of, even now, like I got hurt this in February, I got hurt. So I had to miss a bunch of classes. And then I just got over COVID-19. So I had to miss a bunch more classes. So right now, I'm just like, oh, my gosh. I have so much to do still. It's like kind of feeling like I'm recovering from surgery again. Like, oh, my God, I have a lot of stuff to do now. And I have two and a half weeks left. Not even. So stressful. I remember those days. 
Um, what was that like? I know that you have kind of said that when you were growing up, you felt like you were, you had to kind of mourn, you know, that normal childhood. What was that like um, for you? Well, I remember going to a cousin's wedding. It was, I had, I think I had been, I, we were in like fourth grade. I remember getting these dresses and being so excited. And then I had like some type of surgery or I was recovering or like months post-op. And my dad was like, you cannot. And it, when I was going to weddings, I can get a little bit rowdy, especially with like the drinking. And it, my dad was like, you cannot. Like my sister was dancing. My cousins were dancing. And I was like, I want to go dance. I was I can't remember how old I was, but I was young, but I remember being upset because my dad's like, you cannot go on that dance floor because if you get hit in the face by someone, it's you're, it's going to be bad. He's like, you can't go. And I was so upset. Mm. And I think my mom was like, she can go out there. Like, she's fine. So, mm-hmm. and then um, going to appointments a lot. Mara and I, we were in Girl Scouts for a while. And uh, Mara had more badges than me. And a twin, it's a competition thing with twins. Like, you just both want to, like, be better than the other one. But she had more badges than me because I missed stuff because I had appointments and surgeries. So that was hard. I was like, oh, dang. Like, I really liked Girl Scouts. But I just kind of, like, catch up with, like, my group. So we just stopped doing it. And then Mara was like, well, she's not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. So that was nice. Yeah. Do you feel like your sister's always been in your corner? Like she's always been the person defending you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's It goes both ways. It goes always for me. All, all my siblings were all like that. Like, I would definitely all like that. Mark can get a little bit really mean sometimes if someone, like, says something about any of us. And I can be the same way, but it's like, it's fine. Like, don't even entertain it because it's just not going to help. Yeah. Was there ever any, like, sibling jealousy that you felt with her? Yeah. Um, For in high school, I want to say my junior year and our senior year and the summer after our senior year of high school, it was really difficult. Mara and I were fighting a lot. And and we have aunts. We had aunts that were twins because twins run in our family. Like, my brother Jacob is going to have a daughter. If he has kids, and he has a daughter, she will have twins because it's just like kind of goes down that line. Uh huh. Um, and my mom was always like, "You, Pam and Patty never fought. They would never fight, but you guys just always fight, and they would be physical fights. Like we would get in like physical fights." And uh, I have a very complicated relationship with religion, and she was really into it. She's like, "Why don't you go?" And I was like, "I don't want to," because I was just like why am I like this? And you're not. We're identical. Everybody says we are. And we're mirror image, but we don't look. We look alike, but we don't really look alike. Mm-hmm. So that was very difficult. And we would just really fight a lot. And then uh, sometimes there's been some mean stuff said on both of our ends. And she always likes to say, she still, to this day, she'll, once she listens to this episode, she's like, I, she'll, she'll even say it again. She always says that my mom and I, like, take, like, are better, like, are, like, closer. And she's like, I'm just left behind. Like, you and mom gang up on me. It's like, no, we don't. But then sometimes I'm like, oh, shit, we probably did a little bit. So my mom and I spent a lot of time together going to appointments, surgeries, six hours in the car, one way. So we spent a lot of time together. But now Mara and I are like we're not we don't live together anymore. 
that was awful an issue, I think, because we shared a room for 18 years. We shared everything. We shared a car. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I think it was just a mix of all of that just kind of coming together and being 18, 17, 18-year-olds, 18 too, with license and wanting to do stuff and having responsibilities. So now that we don't live together and we have a lot more time, let's like separate yeah. from each other, it's a lot better, a lot less fighting. <laughs> That's you guys awesome. can appreciate each other more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Is there anything in your life story up until this point that you wish could be different? Like if you could change it, would you change? Hmm. Yeah. Um so my uh, brother, Spencer, he's a 12-year-old. So we're 10 years apart. And when my mom was pregnant with Spencer, I remember being like, well, I want this baby to have a cleft. So he's like me because Jacob's like Mara. And then we were at my grandparents' house. It was Thanksgiving weekend. My parents had like an appointment on Black Friday. I think it was. Because I remember we were making less on my great-grandparents were there, too. And they were gone for an appointment. It was, like, weird because my parents, like, we, it was just weird that they were gone. And they came back, and they sat us down. And I'm like, all right, well, we got some news about the baby. We didn't have a name for, like, Spencer yet or anything. Mm-hmm. And they were like, he's going to be a little sick when he's born. He's going to be born with a hole in his heart, some kidney issues. And then he's going to be born with a cleft with him. And I stoked. I know it's not, like, I didn't cause it, but I was like, oh, my God. I asked that, and I felt... So bad because my brother was really sick for like the first year and a half of his life. And I was like, this is terrible. I really, I felt really, really bad. I still have a little bit of guilt to it to stay, but I know it's just bad genetics that we have, bad luck. Mm. So that's what I regret is asking for a brother like me. Do you feel a sense of connection to him, like a deeper connection to him than you do with your other siblings just because of the cleft? Um, yeah. Yeah, he, so he has a really strong aversion to food. Like, he won't eat any food at all. He is fed through a G-tube. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think that's also because he's had a lot of medical trauma, and so is I. And I have some aversions to food. I'm a very picky eater. A lot, I recently, my doc, my therapist and I, I go to therapy if <laughs> I need it. Um, we've been recently talking about maybe me, the possibility of me having eating disorder or disordered eating. Cause I have very, very strict food rules mm-hmm. for myself. Like, just like, I don't eat soup. I can't anymore. After all my surgeries, mm-hmm. especially after the jaw surgeries, I, I, I will get physically sick from it if it's too like, if it's more, if it's more of a soup and not like a chili or a stew, then I, I if it's a chili and stew, I can stomach it. But I don't really eat mashed potatoes. I eat it one day. I eat it on Thanksgiving mm-hmm. to like make my grandma happy because I know she works very hard to cook. No, oh. <laughs> um, I I don't eat oatmeal. Um, can eat eggs. Most meats I don't really eat very much because I can't chew it very well. It's very hard for me, and then I have a fear of choking. Cause I don't. Cause that was always an issue. Mm-hmm. Um. All those protein shakes, I, uh, all the time, growing up, and even now, it's more, 
I always get told, you need to gain weight. You need to eat a protein shake. You need to drink this. And I used to have to. My parents used to force me to drink these stupid enters and naked drinks. And I oh. would hate it. And I was so bad. It was just like, I hated the texture and I hated all like the liquidness. I would like be like 17. Like I'm not doing it. My parents like, you need to do it. And it was terrible. So I like have stuff like that. And then I, when I do eat, I do, I feel sick to my stomach and I try to avoid eating because sometimes my jaw will hurt. And then, so yeah, I feel like for like Spencer, I kind of have like that connection, like where he, he doesn't really avoid eating because he has his G-tube, but he avoids all kind of food. Lately though, he'll like, like I'm drinking out a water bottle. If he's like in a good mood and wants to like show off and like, like, Hey, look what I can do. Mm-hmm. He'll like ask, like take a drink of water and stuff. He used to really like ice cream, but now he doesn't really do it yeah Um, I'm interested a little bit more about the like food aversions and is that just coming straight from your surgeries like because you could only have you know those liquid pureed foods for Um, periods of time yeah and then uh yeah I I believe I I think it's from I don't know my uncle he's a very very picky very picky eater too but he wasn't doesn't have any cleft or any craniofacial differences, but he's just a picky eater. So I don't know if I'm just a little bit like that. But I quite like trying new foods. But I have to make sure it's like not gonna like freak me out, kind of, or give me like a bad. But I, I'll eat ice cream, and I always after every surgery I would always eat ice cream, and I eat pudding. So I don't understand why. So I don't know. I think maybe my parents would use that as like a reward. Like if you eat this, you can have the ice cream probably. Right. <laughs> and let's like I, it, ice cream tastes better than soup. <laughs> Way better. Oh yeah. <laughs> I will say this though. Pureed chicken noodle broth is a lifesaver. It's like, that's one, like I had COVID. I didn't lose my taste or smell and I wasn't very hungry. My parents like, you need to eat. Like you're going to lose a lot of weight. And I did. I lost like about maybe 20 25 pounds I think oh wow and they're like you need yeah I know it was was not good (laughs) they're like you need to eat I was like I'm not hungry and they're like like, do you want me to puree some soup because he knew he thought I was gonna like make me mad and I was like what actually I could take some pureed chicken noodle soup right now I'm like that really like it gives you so much energy it's like a lifesaver I don't know what it is but like I would eat that again probably if I was feeling really desperate (laughs) (laughs) oh that's awesome I want to know how, what were the conversations like in your home growing up, like between your parents and you and your cleft, like, was it something that was talked about or was just something that, you know, the unspoken? It was a little bit of a mixture of both, I want to say. We talked about it. I mean, like, we would talk about it when there was, surgeries coming up we talked about it a lot when Spencer was um my mom was pregnant with Spencer and stuff um we would like if there was always like bad news or to go to the dentist or to go to the dentist I hate the dentist I always have and I always will um I was always like well you have to go more than Mara because you have this but it's okay it's like and it was always like my parents always say you can have like a 30 a three minute 30 second however long but it can't be more than a day pity party for yourself because you know there's someone who's always going to have it worse yeah this sucks right now but it's going to get better and so I've always, we always kind of just talked about it that way 
And then, um, so yeah, we just, well, we talked about it, but like, we never like, really talked about like, oh, how do you feel about it? And then my mom started asking me about it. And I was like, I don't want to talk about it. And she's like, why? And I was like, I don't want to talk about it. And then one time we were like coming home, we were just my mom and I in the car. So I think we were like coming home from like a swim meet. I don't know why I didn't have a car. Mara must have had it or something. And she was like, asking me like, well, are you happy with your nose? And I was like, I don't know. And I started crying. She's like, what's wrong? And I was like, I don't like talking about it. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. And then she started crying. I was like, oh, yeah. And then I was like, oh, my God. And I was like, like, this is why I don't want to talk about it. She's like, oh, okay. And then we just like, yeah, so. Yeah. So. So hard. And so with that, like, do you think, you talk about going to therapy. Do you think you've battled with some, like, mental illness as a result of the cleft? Oh, yeah. I actually, it's kind of funny. Um, I didn't know I had, like, I have a real, apparently I have really bad anxiety. I didn't know I had anxiety until um, I was at a doctor's appointment in Chicago. I got mandated to therapy, kind of, actually. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. My mom, we were, I've always wanted to live in the city because my parents never wanted me to have bad memories of Chicago. They always wanted me to have, like, good kid memories because... It's Chicago. It's more than Chicago is more than just a place where you go to get your face ripped apart. Mm-hmm. I've always loved Chicago, and I've always wanted to live there, and I will live there someday. I know I will. And my parents are like, well, you, like my parents are like, you don't like driving in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. You really think you're going to survive driving in Chicago? <laughs> and I was like, I can do it. Like, I had a lot of faith in myself. And then one appointment, my mom's like, all right. I, ha- I applied for an internship in Chicago, downtown Chicago. And I had gotten an interview and then I made it to a second stage. So my parents are like, all right, if you get this internship and you swear you're actually going to live here, you got to prove to us that you can drive in Chicago. So I'm like, you know the way to the hospital. You've done this a million times. We're going to drive from Rosemont to um, Oak Park, which is not very far. It's like driving Eau Claire, but a little bit more, a lot more traffic. And I was like, okay, I can do it. And we literally get out of the parking lot and we go past the interstate. And my mom goes, all right, you have to turn left on the interstate. And I freaked out. I was like, I can't do it. I can't. I ran, I like, Turn on a weird street. I was like, I'm done. I'm done. And I parked the car and I just started crying. I was like, I'm done. And I got on past the street. And my mom's like, what the heck is wrong? So I'm like, I couldn't do it. I'm like, I can't do the interstate. She's like, oh, okay. She's like, that was weird. I was like, yeah. And then we went to the appointment and we were talking about how I was like 20 at this point. My surgeon doctor, Akrashi, and I and my mom were talking about like the final surgery, like the steps we have to like do because um, my jaw surgery is cut failing. So I was like, already really emotional for me and then like so yeah it's probably be your last one are you excited I was like yeah and I started crying and he is a surgeon he doesn't know how to deal with a 20 uh teenage girl crying his appointment and my mom's the type of person like if she sees someone's crying especially her kids she's gonna start crying so we both started crying and then the next thing we knew psych showed up and they're like well do you ever feel anxious not and I was like, I don't know. My mom's like, yeah. She's like, today you freaked out driving here. And I was like, oh, that's anxious? He's like, well, do you feel like that about stuff? I'm like, yeah. Almost everything. Anything and everything. And he's like, you need to go to therapy. And I was like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah. So I'm in therapy now. So I have anxiety disorder. I have depression. And I have complex PTSD. So... Yeah, it's a whole race, whole whole race stuff I have. I'm glad you're getting the support that you need. Yeah, totally. Which is really important. 
Do you feel like it's been helpful for you? Um, it's, well, I turned my, well, I learned I turned my emotions off in about, maybe about eighth grade, and that's how I made it through high school. So now my emotions are turned back on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'll literally be like, fine. And they're like, I don't know why I'm crying. I'm just crying. I'm just like, okay, you're fine. And it's like, now I know, like, what I'm feeling is actually anxiety or sadness or whatever. It's like, okay. So I thought everything was just, like, normal. I just didn't know what I was feeling. So it's helpful in a way because I have some, like, ways to, like, calm myself down. I'm like, okay, if you're, like, feeling this way, you need to tell someone. Like, the other day, I had a doctor's appointment in Eau Claire, and I am very strict on my schedule, especially with doctor's appointments, because at Shriners, it was appointments and surgeries were on the surgeon's discretion. So it could be canceled just like that. And that happened to me one time, and it, I was going for a jaw surgery and it was right before college was going to start with a freshman. So it was a very traumatic thing for me. I was very, very upset. And I had an appointment canceled on me about a month ago. Like I was there and I was ready for it. And they just canceled. I'm like, well, it's not happening. And I lost my mind. Like I didn't mean to, like I literally was like crying. I was like, like, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I was freaking out. And I called my mom and she was working and I was like, God dang it. What am I going to do? I don't know what's going on with me. So when I called my dad, he's like, you're having an anxiety attack. He's like, you need to like calm down. He said, it'll be okay. He's like, go tell a nurse or something that you're freaking out. So then I went and bought myself a coffee. He said, go buy a brownie or something. Like go buy some chocolate, like calm yourself down. Mm -hmm. So I did that and I bought a coffee too, which did not help me at all. And then I found someone. I was like, this is what's going on. This is why I'm acting this way. Can someone help me? And they're like, okay. Like, you're going to be okay. And I was like, I know, I know. I'm just really upset. And I'm like, jeez. And I was like, so then I got a call from my therapist. She's like, so I heard you had some problems. And I was like, it's okay. It's all taken care of. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, oh, jeez. Oh. I love that your therapist is good there to call you though to check in and make sure everything's okay yeah oh yeah holly's great <laughs> <laughs> shout out to her yes that's awesome so you feel pretty supported by her do you feel supported by um like friends and family for a majority yeah of yeah definitely sometimes i'm like why am i asking this way um my i have a really good friend and she also has a lot of anxiety too and so recently, like, she's like, I'm having a panic attack. I'm like, oh, I am too. It's okay. And we kind of, like, talk each other down. Like, you're, it's validated to feel this way. And we both work together. We work together at Jake's. So sometimes she's like, I'm feeling very, very anxious. Like, I am too. I was like, I don't know what's going on. So it's been very helpful. And I've talked to her a lot about it. And I've actually talked to Sebastian, Kimmy's brother, um, oh. about, like, my anxiety and depression too a lot. Because he said he feels the same way, and he's pretty sure he's like, well, I wonder if I have PTSD, and I think it's a thing that a lot of people probably, a lot of cleft-affected adults probably suffer from, and they don't realize it until they have a freak-out about disappointment over something small. Yeah, I totally think that there's probably something to that. Do you think that, like, growing up, there's something that could have been done differently so you could have been able to cope with your emotions better growing up so you wouldn't have developed PTSD or do you think that that's just part of the deal 
Um, I remember one time being young and being, well, I was getting like re-evaluated for like ADD meds. They had to do like a psych exam or something, or I can't remember what. I'm like, oh, you have a, a tent of PTSD. And I was with my dad. And that's when PTSD was like very, very new diagnosis for like nobody really knew about it. And I was like, what? I'm like, I was never like in, the war, in a war or anything. Why do I have this? And my dad's like, well, you probably have it from Spencer being and Rochester for three months. I was like, oh, yeah, that probably makes sense. So I knew a little bit, but, like, it was never really. And then at Shriners, um, before you have any surgery or anything, even appointments, you talk to psych, and you go through, like, they evaluate you. They, they, we've never, they never picked it up, never said anything from what I can tell on, like, the charts until I got mandated to go. There was, like, never anything because I was always like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. I was like, they knew about, like, the bullying, but I was like, yeah, I'm fine. So I feel like maybe I just hit it well. I don't really know. I didn't know, but now they now we all know. So I don't I don't know. I think it was maybe something I didn't comprehend as a kid. Like, hey, like this is really like a traumatic thing that's happening. So I don't know. Yeah. Do you wish like if you could go back in time and talk to like your younger self? Is there something that you would tell yourself or if you had to experience this, like if you were the adult in the situation, like how would you talk to yourself or is there something that you would do that would have been helpful, you think? Um, that's a hard question. Um, I would say when kids would be mean to me, I would probably tell myself to be not go for like the jugular was saying like the meanest thing you can think of sometimes it would be needed um I would say maybe try to explain rather than be mean because they didn't know so that and then not be as trusting or when the guys in high school say, oh, you're pretty, or, like, say they have a crush on you, I would tell my younger self, don't believe them. You're just going to get hurt. So I would say, I would tell my younger self, like, don't believe them. As weird as is, don't talk to any boys in high school. They're all assholes. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. You're good. You're good. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I, Because I think that that's something that I always, that David and I talk about a lot because we want Logan to feel safe to be able to talk to us one day, you know, if there's bullying. But we also know, like I know growing up, I didn't want to tell my mom when kids were being mean to me, you know. And so it's that difficult conversation is we want to have him feel safe and supported with us and that he could share, but we don't want him to feel we don't want to overdo it you know we don't want to make yeah, it you don't want to coddle yeah. exactly we don't want and we don't want to like make him feel like his cleft is his whole world because it's not it doesn't define yeah. him and so for us it's like that balance like how often do we talk about it how often do we acknowledge it versus or do we not you know what I mean like we want it to be something that empowers him but it's something that he doesn't have to be defined by, but we don't know how to do that. So do you have any advice? <laughs> um, so, so like every time we would go somewhere and if we saw someone who also had a quest, my parents, they would, they would find a way to slowly introduce 
like me, like as a little kid, because I'm like, oh, hey, like, this is my daughter. She has a cleft just like you. And then they'd be like, or sometimes they could tell, like, the social media is like, oh, we are not going to say anything to this person. They're obviously doing something. And it really helped for my parents to know I feel like they knew, like, about the bullying because I had my twin, but I also had friends, close family friends that had kids our age. Mm-hmm. And younger, like, grew up with us, and we were all in the same school system. So they would be like, hey, they would tell their parents, and then their parents would tell my parents. And my parents were like, well, what happened? It's like, oh, I, don't know. I didn't realize that was bullying. And my parents were like, you clueless? Like, what's going on? So I feel like that was kind of a thing, because I never really wanted to admit it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Mara probably told, because I was still, I feel like Mara must have probably would have said stuff. So. I don't know. Yeah. And you kind of said, like, if you could go back, you would have, like, educated the bullies right or the people that said yeah. things what yeah like what would I, you say or what do you recommend um well I kind of realized now as because my younger brother Spencer he has down syndrome so I realize now so people say the r word I, I hate it or if they make fun of any kid with down syndrome or autism I get very very I get upset Mm-hmm. And they learn they don't, people don't change their habits if they're, like, their behaviors, if they don't know, like, what it really is. So then I would be like, don't say that word. My younger brother has Down syndrome, and he is nothing like that. That is an outdated word. And that's when people would stop doing what they were doing, like, saying the R word. They would stop. They would stop pretending to be a person with special needs. And then uh, now that I'm older, I realize, oh, I probably should have. And saying, like, well, this is what I was born with. It's a birth defect. I've had surgeries. This is what it is. You, now you know. Instead of being like, why do you have a scar on your head? Or what's wrong with you? Why Why, are you, why is your hair red? And stuff like that. And, or being mean or saying, well, not mean, but I would be sassy. Not, I would have some good comebacks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that would, I would probably want to educate, but I didn't really know much myself either I just knew like this is what I had like I do I knew about the down syndrome I knew more about down syndrome because I did research I was like well I want to know what's going on with my brother and I knew how great he was so that's also a thing absolutely are there specific groups for cleft affected adults that have been helpful to you or have you been able to connect with other adults with class. Um, well, I'm friends with Sebastian, so yes, mm-hmm. there's. I'm part of two Facebook groups. I'm part of an all women's Facebook group, mm-hmm. and then I'm part of like a club support, club affected adult support group, kind of. Yeah, it's like there's parents in there, and there's also people with clubs in there who have clubs um, are in there. So it's that way a little bit. So um, there's a couple of people I. Uh, DM'd with on Instagram that also have clefts that are a little bit younger than me. And then at Shriners, there's this one nurse. Her name's Jenna. And she was born with a cleft. For sure, a cleft. I, don't, I can't remember if she was born with a palate, but she's a nurse at Shriners. And she was always my nurse. And oh. Jenna is like, I want to say maybe she's nine years older than me. And I really love Jenna. And the other day we were talking about how I'm graduating from the Shriners program soon, and I'm not going to see my nurses anymore or the doctors. And I was like, well, I'll, I was like, well, I'll still see Jenna. Like, Jenna and her friends. My friend's like, 
you're not friends with Jenna. She's your nurse. I'm like, no, Jenna and her friends. They're like, what the heck? I'm like, Jenna, Jackie, and the Jackie side. We are all friends because there's a couple of nurses I really always liked. So Jenna was always very helpful, like, when I would be in the hospital for surgeries. Especially when I was older, we would talk about it. Because she was, like, the night nurse, and I could never really sleep. So we would talk about stuff. And mm. so that was nice, having Jenna, when I was older, especially. Yeah. That's so special. I love that. Yeah. Oh. So, but yeah, it was a blessing in disguise, not having Jenna. Absolutely. So you're going to graduate, like, the Shriners program, like, does that mean your cleft care is coming to a close? No. So um, cleft care actually goes into adulthood. When they, when people, when, I'm assuming you, you have a cleft team. You're is that Sanford, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So did they tell you it's like five surgeries and done? That's kind of, <laughs> they like to aim lower than that. But yeah, that's kind of like. A lie. Yeah. I'll tell you right now. That's a lie. I've had 21 surgeries in 22 years. That is a lie. Yeah. Um. So that's what they say. It's trying to say like it's like five and done or how many and done. That's a lie because your body grows and a cleft jaw is part of like a cleft or cranial basal jaw. It's like a jigsaw, like or a snowflake. Every jaw is different and it's gonna take multiple times and multiple revisions to fix something or get it as perfect as it can like it takes multiple times so um so what i was saying so i will be transferring my care to uic in chicago because part of the club team they have a partnership with shriners because shriners is a teaching hospital Mm -hmm. so all my like surgeons like dr patel dr crashy um, I think Dr. Chad, they're all there, and a lot of the support staff also work there, too. So I'll be transferring my care, but once I graduate from Shiners, then all my care is at UIC because my adult care, my, my jaw care, my craniofacial care is also throughout UIC. It's kind of weird. It's just like I'm moving on. I'm just not going to go to Shiners anymore for appointments. It's just going to be strictly UIC. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Is that emotional at all? Like transfer? To graduate? Yeah. Yes, it is. Very emotional. I was supposed to graduate from Shiners um, last winter, last spring. Um, right when COVID shut the world down, I was supposed to actually graduate from the program. I'm supposed to be getting a veneer, veneers and an implant done and stuff. Maybe a couple other stuff I don't really remember. And it's all until on hold for for over a year, almost over a year now. And we actually had to go to the board at Shriners, the Shriners board, to get my care extended because at the age of 21 is when you age out. But I'm 22. My care is still not done. But I've been a patient there since 1999. So I have a special circumstance. So we we went to the board and got extended. And then they were like, well, we can do a graduate, like a graduation ceremony, like, through Zoom, and I was like, that's not happening, you know, I'm like, I want to be in person, I remember when it was, like, three different hospitals, we would have to be downtown Chicago, and then, um, multiple places downtown Chicago, and then out, and at the Shriners Hospital itself, and I was like, I remember that, I remember, I was like, I have too much of a connection, I was like, mom, I'm not doing online, like, I'm not, so I graduated this summer, so, 
excited. I'm a little bit nervous. I know I'm going to cry, so it's going to be okay. <laughs> I'm going to be like, oh, Jesus, she's crying again. But I know. I just know. I'm excited, but I'm also like, oh, I'm going to be an actual adult. So Yeah. Are you guys going to have, like, a big graduation party or a small, like, little celebration, just you and your family? I don't know. I haven't really, we haven't really talked about it. Um, I'm a really, I'm like I said before, I'm a really big fan of Chicago. And it's in the summer, so I but I always like kind of watch like how my appointments line up and hope that like, there's gonna be a Cubs home game. So I'll probably make my parents like. I wonder. I'm gonna assume my mom and dad will both want to be there. I know my grandma wants to come. <laughs> She's like, I want to go. <laughs> so I know. So I'm like, kind of. I want to go to Cubs game, and then I always have always since I was young wanted to eat at the John Hancock Tower. I wanted to eat there, so I think I may four of my parents to like have dinner there. my dad would be like we're not eating there we'll eat at Jilly's and I'll be like no <laughs> we're gonna eat downtown Chicago for once so that'd be so cool <laughs> yeah that sounds like a good time yeah my mom was like we could stay in like on a nice hotel like one of the Omnis like when you graduate make it something special and I was like yeah we could do that so I don't know we haven't really it still feels very far away still so now I'm going to text them, like, can I have a party? Because my sister's graduating <laughs> this spring from college. She's graduating this spring. And uh, so she's getting a party. I'm like, well, I'm graduating from Shriners. Can I get a party? But I feel like Mara would get mad. Like, can I not have something by myself? And I'll be like, sure, you're right. You can have your graduation. So <laughs> she gets a party. So I should see if my parents will give me a party. I'm going to ask them, actually. I'm going to text them after this. Like, can I get a party? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so many parties. We're uh, in favor of it. We are. Yeah. Do oh, yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Grant give her a party. Yeah. <laughs> party, too. <laughs> I'm going to learn. There's so many parties going on. So I'm going to know. Never thought of that. Love so, it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, to kind of wrap up, what would you say to a cleft mom in regards to, like, how to talk to their child about their cleft? Um, tell them they're not a monster. That's what, so, like, that's what mainstream media really portrays people with clefts as, like, the bad guy, the monster. Say, so you're not a bad person. You're beautiful. You have a unique smile, like... Like a snowflake, they're unique. I mean, that might not make sense to a kid if they live somewhere warm where there is no snow, but like you're like a sand dollar. Those are every sand dollar there is, they're different. Every snowflake there is, they're different. Every person there is, you're different. And your difference just happen to be on your face. That's all it is. Yeah. That's what I would probably say. I love that. Do you think, like, in the world that we live in now and social media, does it make it easier to be different? Because I feel like there's this whole movement of acceptance and, you know, education. Or do you feel like it's harder because, you know, there is so much more social media and so much more pressure from social media? Um, well, there's always, like, the pressure to, like, look like the Kardashians or look like, um, like... Gigi Hadid, like, to always be, like, a super, like, a supermodel, so there's always that, and then there's, like, the pressure of, like, oh, well, I don't look like that girl, and she's normal, 
subject kind of like that, I would say. Um, sometimes I'll get random D. Well, my, I had my account, my Instagram account on private for the longest time because I kept getting like DMs from people being like, what happened to your nose? And it's like, okay, I'm just going to put it on private so you can like filter out these messages. And so I would say that kind of, but otherwise it's been really supportive. And there is like, if you do it, like it's kind of a given. If you're gonna post something online, you're gonna it's gonna go either way. You can either get support, you can get backlash. And I've been really lucky where I haven't really had like someone been really mean to me online. So I've been lucky that way. But still, you know, it's like yeah, no, you're putting yourself out there. Like it's like it's kind of the same thing. It's like it's like a little like social media. If you think about it. It's, like a little town and yeah. people are just going to talk and some people have different opinions about other stuff. Like some people are like, Oh, all positive surgery is bad. You're born the way you are. doesn't matter. Like your positive surgery is affecting your health. You shouldn't have it. It's like, well, no, I would really rather have plastic surgery. So. Yeah. yeah. Right. Absolutely. So lastly, what big goals do you want to achieve? Like, what's next in your life? What's next in your life story? What are you going to do next? Um, well, I'm going to graduate from college. Um, I really, I've always wanted to work at the Waldorf Astoria in downtown Chicago, so hopefully someday I'll be working there. I want to go on a European tour. I was a distance swimmer for a long time, so I'm trying to get back into being athletic so I want to hopefully someday like soon like maybe start running again and build my up to running marathons and maybe try to run the Chicago marathon for the oh, trainers nice. team because they have a team so I would like to do that someday I just gotta motivate myself to run um I want to travel the country I want to bring awareness to class I would say but also not make it my own personality like I I'm my, I myself. I have my cleft, but I'm also my own person. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are some great dreams. Like, you go, girl. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Love it. We're in your corner rooting for you. We are. And thank you so much just for sharing your life story with us. And, you know, it's, I know it's not always easy to talk about your deepest feelings but we super appreciate it so thank you yeah no problem thank you for having me of course and we look forward to seeing what you do next and maybe one of these days you can do a day in the life for us on our podcast oh yeah be me getting up going to class doing homework and then going to work perfect (laughs) that's like what i do every day basically yeah well we would love to join you along in that yeah (laughs) yeah that'd be fun yeah it'd be really fun well thank you so much and we look forward to talking to you again yeah perfect yeah thank you exciting